One day you probably will. Uh, I hate speech, you know. Um, I want to I want to teach about something tonight that if I would have told everybody what I was going to do, well, it's possible someone might have got the stomach bug at the last minute. Uh, <laughs> definitely, somebody probably would have been a, a little uh, consternated. I think I just made that up. Uh, might have been a little consternated about it. The reason why is because that there's a whole lot of really incredibly awful teaching about this. Okay? And what we're going to talk about tonight and what we're going to teach and do is communion. Okay? We're not waiting until New Year's Eve. <laughs> not doing it Easter Sunday. But we're going to learn about it first. The book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 11. Uh, I'm going to figure that out. Alright. <laughs> yep, 1 Corinthians 11. Alright. I was talking about this with Joe and Tracy. Of course you were. Of course you were. Why wouldn't you be? I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, I'm not sorry, no. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it did happen. First Corinthians chapter number 11. Um, now, I'm going to teach on this hair stuff too real soon. So I'm, we're going to cover everything, I promise you. Everything. And you got anything you're curious about, you know, send me a text. And if, if I don't forget it for nine years, we'll, we'll get into that too. First uh, Corinthians 11. And verse number 17. Now, uh, just a little background. What was going on is, is the church in Corinth and probably a whole lot of others had turned uh, the observance of communion into this great big production. I mean, they, they were doing uh, like potlucks on steroids, right? Where it was built up, excuse me, built up so big that the real meaning behind communion was lost in all of it, okay? Because communion is very powerful, but it's very simple. It's not this great big uh, complicated, you know, 85 different chapters kind of thing. Well, watch this. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. See, Paul don't play around. He's telling them, I, I got, I, you're in check, is what he's telling them. Because you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Well, I've been in some, well, leave that alone. <laughs> he's telling them when they came there and they were supposed to be doing something good, which, guess what? Every time we come together, now there'll be times where, where the word of God will correct us. Thank God for that. There'll be times where it will uh, chastise us, which is a little bit of a firmer type of correction, chastisement. Uh, it's like the difference between a verbal correction and a, a actual a disciplinary punishment, right? There's a difference. A verbal correction means don't do that. Disciplinary correction means I told you not to do that. Come here, smack, right? Sometimes a word will be used to chastise us like that too. So there's different ways the word of God will be used by God, hopefully by the Holy Ghost, no matter who's sharing it, uh, to breathe life into our lives. Okay, but Paul right here is telling them that when they were coming together, it wasn't for the better, it was for the worse. There should never be a time when we come together, it was for the worse. 
I mean, even the time where I get up and try to teach or preach something, it's like a cannonball falls right over the pulpit and everybody leaves their sins. <laughs> what in the world? I'm not even listening to that on Spotify again. I got a headache, right? And I leave going, what in the world, <laughs> okay? But even so, every time we come together, it should be for the better. Then he says, why? Look at this. Because first of all, when you come together in a church, I hear there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. He gave him a bit for the doubt. So Paul's upset just because there's divisions. What would he think today? Right. <laughs> now see, now check this out. There's a difference between difference of opinions and divisions. Differences of opinions, if they're not life or death, if they're not heaven or hell, who cares? That shouldn't cause us you know, to have an attitude towards somebody because they don't believe everything exactly the way I do if it's not heaven or hell. I mean, okay, fine. I guess when we get to heaven, we'll find out who is right. But guess what? All that petty stuff like that, when people get to heaven, they're going to care about it no more. They're in heaven, right. right? The reason, when there is a difference of opinion, now a difference of opinion that is not discussed can turn into division. One of the things that people of God are supposed to be the best at, better than anybody out there in the world, is acknowledging a difference of opinion and then working through that difference of opinion. But what happens in the church world today most times is if there's a difference in opinion, bless God, better not teach on hair, have a church split. They will split that hair and the church. <laughs> but that's not the way we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people of the light. There's not supposed to be anywhere for shadows to hide among the people of God. So if there's a difference of opinion, well, you know, we talk about it. All right, we got some difference of opinion. Now, let's discuss, is that heaven or hell? Then we work through what the Bible says. If the Bible says it's not heaven or hell, then okay, we, we feel differently about that. Let's move on. You guys good? I'm good. We're good. No, if the Bible says that that thing we're having a difference of opinion over is heaven or hell, then... We got to find a way to come to the center of the meaning of the Word of God and get over the difference of opinion. I'm just going to tell you right now, I have a lot of difference of opinions with God. That don't mean I don't do it His way. <laughs> you hear me? I have a difference of opinion about somebody smacking me on one cheek and then giving them another. I have a difference of opinion about borrowing somebody money and never asking for it back. What is that all about? That's what the book says. But... I have a difference of opinion with God over that, but guess what? He's the boss. Right. So I got to figure out a way to get over my difference of opinion and not be bitter. Right. So there's because if I'm bitter over difference of opinion between me and God, I create a division. Man, a division means there's something between us keeping us from each other. You understand that? When you put a division, you know, this chair is a division between me and that table. Right. It's between me and that table. If there's a difference of opinion with God that I can't resolve and I've got a bad attitude about it, that's going to be between me and God. Right. And if there's something between me and God like that, that's an obstacle. Right. So the reason there's so many Jesus name churches, I don't know about any of the other brands, don't care, they ain't my business. But the reason there's so many Jesus name churches in the Tri-Cities area, last count, I think there was in the 40s, there's probably more, but uh, I don't think they counted the snake handlers. But... The reason there's so many different Jesus name churches in Tri-Cities area is because rather than work through differences of opinion, if they decided they saw communion different, like I got told, well, some guy offered me his church after we first moved here. 
I all in Bloomingdale somewhere up on a mountain, beautiful building. And you know, he's talking about I'm like, whoa, okay, he just offered me to pastor the church. All right. And then, but then he's talking and like I'm just gonna agree to it anyway. It's like, no, I ain't just gonna agree to that. And then he gets to the end, he goes, but I gotta know one thing. And I said, okay, shoot. And he goes, Do you do communion with wine or juice? I said, uh, well, I do it with juice. He goes, oh, you can't pass her here then. I said, I didn't tell you I was gonna. But there's a division between people that believe you have to do communion with wine and people that do it with juice. Now, I'm gonna tell you, I got a very practical reason for doing it with juice. I don't care if I did the word study and the stuff they used when Jesus did it and all the Hebrews all down through the years did it. I don't care if it was for a minute. I wasn't there then, but I am an under shepherd now who is going to have a lot of people come in the doors who used to be alcoholics. I'm an under shepherd now that's going to have children, uh, young adults come in whose daddies or mamas were alcoholics and beat them and all they remember is the smell of that alcohol and it brings back PTSD for real. So I'm not doing that because I care about the people that I'm an under shepherd over. So somebody that thinks you got to do it in wine, well, guess what? You look long enough and you'll find in Kingsport somewhere the first church of the Jesus name wine only people. Because instead of coming to an agreement over it and figuring out a way to stay in fellowship, they break off and this church goes down here. And that's what happens. That's why there's so many. It's not the will of God. It's just not. Now, I'm not saying there's supposed to be one mega church. You understand what I'm point here? We're supposed to be able to work things through. Now, sometimes you can't. Paul and Barnabas didn't. And the, the, the dissension was so strong, they, he uses the word asunder. You know what that means? Boof. Yeah. But guess what happened? Sometimes God, from subtraction, multiplies. Instead of just one group of two or the three, if they just stayed together going and doing missions work, now there's two tombs of t- two tombs. Two teams of two each, and they're spreading the gospel twice as much now, you see? And later on they talk and they made it all I made it all good. So Alright. Well, I got stuck there, didn't I? For there must all say, look, here's what he says. I hear there's divisions among you, and I partly believe it. So that implies there shouldn't be, first of all. Then he says, the reason I hear this is, look, the reason there are is because there must be also heresies among you, so that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. In other words, there needs to be whack jobs so that the people that got it together will be made manifest. You never appreciate somebody who's sweet all the time as much as you do when you spend a day with somebody who's mean all the time, right? So that mean person makes that sweet person even more valuable to you, stand out even more, makes you appreciate them even more. So what the writer's saying right here is there's going to be that stuff. But when you see that stuff, don't brand the whole church with it. When you see somebody who's off in left field, who's, who's being an over-shepherd, or you see a brother or sister who's nitpicking each other all the time, right? Uh, straining at gnats and swallowing camels about each other. Instead of getting discouraged and thinking the whole church is that way, just take a minute and just think about that brother or that sister or that other shepherd you know who's completely opposite. And you know what that does? That makes us appreciate each other even more, don't it? I mean, it does. I'm telling you. I've been in this thing a little while. 
And that's why I appreciate the things about you guys that I do to the bottom of my bone marrow, I do. When you taste the other stuff, you're thankful for the real thing, baby. <laughs> when you come together, therefore, into one place, what you're doing is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Now see, he's talking about what they've been doing, the way they've been doing communion, which is called the Lord's Supper, right? And look what he says. Because in eating, everyone takes before each other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. Now imagine if it's a... I think potlucks are the will of God. <laughs> Whoever first decided that was a genius, I know it was a man. Yes. The reason I know it was a man is because when you go to a church potluck, them sisters ain't going to bring their second best dish, brother. Every one of them women's going to bring, okay, five-star recipe today, or they're going to go buy the store, and they're buying, if they don't cook, they're going to buy that five-star thing from the store. Potlucks. The will of God. I'm all for them. And we're going to have them. I'm just telling you right now. That's right. So, but what he's saying is, instead of doing it that way, at a potluck, what we do is, we put all the pots up on the thing, right? And we, we can do that at our, at our classroom, you know. We need to have a service one time where we bring in the stuff and put it on that back table and have church. And, and you know, once church is over... Um, we'll have a time of fellowship and fellowship, that's what we call it. <laughs> and we'll eat together, right? It'll be good. But now what these guys were doing, instead of putting all the food out there and everybody gets to take some of everything, these people were bringing their own food. And I, this is for me and mine, Nelson. You can't have none of this over here, right? And they wouldn't share none of their food. Look, here's what proves it. Watch what he says. Because in eating, everybody takes before each other his own supper and one is hungry and another's drunk so in other words people with a lot of money and got it like that are bringing in the the t-bone steak and brother over here can't afford no spam he even got by any sausages he's sitting there watching while everybody else is eating and he's hungry can you imagine what kind of a excuse me christian could sit and eat while their brother's hungry you see, Paul had a lot of fixing to do with this church. I mean, he's just covering the surface of this because this goes to a lot deeper thing, having compassion for each other. How could you do that anyway? And how could you call somebody brother or sister when it didn't bother you? They were hungry and you're sitting there eating right in front of them. And he said, there's other people bringing wine and they're getting drunk. And they're calling this the Lord's Supper. <laughs> the Lord didn't have nothing to do with the supper they were having. He says, what? Don't you have houses to eat and drink in? Or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? See, man, we're telling everybody, bring your food. We're going to do Lord's Supper next Sunday and the, and the family that's poor because, you know, in this time, and, and I'm not a negative person, but I'm telling you what I know, we're going to see it in the very own United States of America where there's going to be people who just flat, they ain't got enough food to eat more than one meal every day. That day's coming. It will come. And that's what was going on here. And some of those families were coming and they wanted to come to have church with everybody and they wanted to come for the Lord's Supper, but then they're getting there and Aris and Kitty, you know, we got a Muscovy duck, tastes like filet mignon, and, you know, we're mowing down and these people ain't even got rice. Can you, how far does, where's the pastor? That's what I want to know. Whoever this dude is, he's a sissy. He ain't got no spine. This stuff should have been addressed, right? What's he preaching? <laughs> then he says, what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. 
Paul didn't. He wasn't scared of nobody. He said, because I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. In other words, I done told you. <laughs> the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed. I like the way he worded that. The same night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he break it and said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. And then he told them, do this in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, see, okay, look, if, if, if we're gonna get together and have Lord's Supper and that bread is supposed to remind us of the broken, you all seen the passion? You, you seen the end of it? When you get to the end of it and that dude is messed up, that's what the bread we take at the Lord's Supper is supposed to be in remembrance of. So it ain't supposed to be raisin bread, all fresh, man. It ought to be, actually ought to be bread that when you taste it, it's bitter to your mouth. But that's not what they were doing. They were having a party. Then he says, he tells them why to do this. Because as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Now, what's cool about that word show, it's a, a Hebrew word, cat angelo, and it means declare, preach, or teach. <coughs> Greek word, I'm sorry. So listen to it again. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do preach and teach and declare the Lord's death. <coughs> so when we take that, that bread and we eat from that bread, what we're saying is we're saying we haven't forgotten like what Nathan said. We haven't forgotten the price that was paid for us. We haven't forgotten that should have been what happened to me. But our Savior let it happen to him so it wouldn't have to happen to me. Right. Now watch this. This is where a lot of people and why they won't take communion. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. In other words, Nathan, whoever eats that bread and drinks that cup at the Lord's Supper and does it unworthily, might as well have been those Roman soldiers that put him on the cross and gambling for his clothes. Amen. Now, that would make a lot of people say, okay, dude, I mean, I, you know, somebody cut me off in traffic the other day and I got mad and my whole face went red. I don't think I'm worthy to take this because I ain't trying to be guilty of the Lord's death, right? Now, check this out, though. This word unworthily, and I love the fact you guys can fact check me because I get this from the same Bible study program you have. When you look this up and do click on the interlinear part of that Bible study program, that word unworthily comes from a word annex asios. Guess what it means? Irreverently. That changes everything. Because who could be worthy, first of all? If you had to be worthy to take the Lord's Supper, then it never would have been taken and nobody would be taking it today because we're not worthy. But when you understand that word unworthily means irreverently, that's, see, and it follows the same theme that Paul's talking about, doesn't it? He says, you guys are here getting drunk. You guys are bringing in your best meals and eating in front of hungry people. That sounds like irreverence to me. See, irreverence is the opposite of reverend. I learned a long time ago, ain't everybody called reverend a reverend. I don't care if they have a preaching license. Right. The word reverend means respectful, right? 
It means respectful, and it means a type of awe for the God that we serve. We're reverend of His presence. We're reverend of His Word. So what this is saying is, when we take the Lord's Supper and have the bread and have the, the wine, and we acknowledge this is the broken body, broke for me. This is the blood shed for the remission of my sins, man. And when we acknowledge that, and we do it with reverence, we're good. But if all it is is another thing, if all it is is a potluck and, and oh, we're just goofing off or, you know, on the phone while we're taking the cup or it ain't no big deal, that's irreverence. See? Now check this out. There's some pretty serious penalties. And look, but let a man examine himself. Let a person examine themselves and so let them eat of the bread and drink the cup. That, that word examine means to check ourselves. See? So if we're going to take the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do tonight, fresh from Food City, we're going to take the Lord's Supper tonight, right? Then all we have to do before we take it to be worthy, to be reverent, is to examine ourselves. Now, what that means is, what we ought to do every day before we ever go out the door anyway, yes. is take a few minutes and just repent. Lord, I'm sorry, Father, I plead the blood of Jesus. Anything I got going on you don't like, anything I've done today, any way I've displeased you, please forgive me. And I don't want you just to use that, that, uh, that eraser and just erase it and, and not tell me what that specific thing is because I don't want to keep doing it. I love you like that, right? So if there's anything in my life I'm doing anyway, I'm treating somebody that it shouldn't be and you don't like it, don't just forgive me for it, Father, but point it out to me. That way I can work on not doing it again. See, that's reverence, ain't it? Because all, if all I ever do is, God, I'm sorry, please forgive me because I want to go to heaven. <laughs> that's like a free, free plane ride home. That's not really any kind of relationship, is it? But when God recognizes that, yeah, I want to go to heaven, I don't want to go to hell, but I'm also wanting to work on ways to be more pleasing in His sight, that's reverence, right? So, let a man examine himself and once that examination happens, let us eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Because he that eats and drinks, now look, he drives his point home again, doesn't he? He that eats and drinks unworthily, same word, eats and drinks damnation. Man, that's hardcore stuff. Not discerning the Lord's body. That means if we don't recognize what this is, we don't understand what it is we're doing, what it is we're remembering, then we are sowing the same damnation that those Roman soldiers, if they didn't get right, wouldn't surprise me if they had them. But we're sowing all the price that humanity has to pay for that crucifixion if we don't get right. So it's just a matter of acknowledging what it is and taking it serious. So see, here's the part where people got freaked out because they don't understand. For this cause, in other words, because people have taken the bread and drank the cup without being reverent, without taking it serious, many are weak and sickly among you and many are dead. That's why a lot of people won't take communion. I'm talking about in Jesus' name churches now. And they will not, boy. You tell them we're going to have communion on New Year's Eve and half the church stays home for New Year's Eve. Or you'll go around to pass out the juice and the, and the bread, and a lot of people are like, uh-uh. Mm -hmm. and, and see, here's the thing. It's noble 
for them to think, you know, I got sin in my life, I ain't got straightened out, and this is too serious. I'm glad people take it serious, but what they don't understand is if we do an honest examination and say, Lord, I know I got this going on, and I'm working, I'm fixing that, and forgive me for it, and help me to fix it all the way, right? And I'm taking this serious, God, then we're completely eligible. It's not about not having something that we ain't got quite nailed down yet, because if that was it, who could take it? Nobody. Nobody. And it's because this part says, because people are taking it unworthily, which means irreverent, because they're not taking it serious, and they're not taking a few minutes to examine themselves, right? Because they're not doing that, people get sick, people get weak. I mean, that's like people that, I, I don't know, what is it, anemic? Just imagine people that are anemic, you know, always weak. People that battle chronic fatigue. Now, I don't know what the specific things were, but these afflictions they got from taking this irreverently caused them to have an affliction that made them weak all the time. And then some people even died. Now, the bread and, and the wine didn't make them die. God did. So see, there's, there's two parties that need to, that one takes it serious every time. And we need to make sure that we do too. And if we do, he wants us to. Look, if Jesus, Jesus didn't say anything else to do in remembrance of him. He didn't say, here's how you're going to show you remember me, love one another. No. He said, hereby shall they know you're my disciples, love one another, Right? There's no other way Jesus said anywhere. If you do this, it's proven to me you remember me. You're teaching. You're showing everybody. You believe in my death. You believe I shed the blood. And you believe I'm coming back. Right? This is what he chose. So if we don't do this, think about it. Or if this is something that we only do once a year, New Year's Eve or Easter, if that's the only time we do it, then we're neglecting the one thing that shows Jesus, I remember you. Now, we know we remember him when we pray to him. We know that. You understand where I'm coming from? It's like if I, I was going on a trip and told Kitty, you know, uh, we don't have phone service there, but every night at 6 o'clock, I'm going to pray for you and I want you to pray for me. And, and I, I know that you're thinking of me and that'll help me. That'll make me feel better knowing that at 6 o'clock you're praying for me, Mama, Right? What an awful thing it would be to come back home and say, man, you know, I got so much encouragement about you praying for me. And he goes, <laughs> right? And I would tell her, don't worry about it. But inside I'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> right? So imagine this is Jesus. And when he came up with that and said to do that in remembrance of him, he knew what was coming just a couple hours later. He knew he was going to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he knew he was going to have to do something he did not want to do. He knew they were going to put a bag over his head and beat him, pluck his beard out of his chin, man, torture him all night long. And he said, the one thing I want you to do to remember me for doing this for you guys is take this bread and drink this wine. And I want to start doing that more often. I never saw it that way. See, you know what's so awesome about it? I mean, is that bread that came from Food City, man, that juice, and you know, it's gonna be in a plastic cup. <laughs> but none of that matters. You know what's gonna matter is when we hold that bread up to Jesus, 
I remember. <laughs> and I'm thinking of you right now. <laughs> and Jesus is going to be like, Okay. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. That word judge right there means discern. For if we would discern ourselves, in other words, if we would be honest with how we see ourselves, if we would take a good look and be honest, if we would discern ourselves, we would not be judged. That word, second word judged is a different word. Check this out. The first word judge means to discern, be honest about ourselves, see ourselves as we really are. But the second word judge there means to be punished or sentenced. So listen to this. If we would be honest about ourselves and do this examination, we will not be punished. <laughs> That's because if I'm honest about myself first and then do the, what are you going to do after you're honest about your, your problems, right? You're going to say, Lord, please forgive me. That means... I'm not going to be punished. But if I'm not honest about my problems, if I'm not honest about those things, and if, this is even besides communion, folks, if we ain't honest about those things that we know we need to fix and just go on through life acting like they ain't there, we're going to stand in front of God and just say, depart from me. We're going to be punished. But the writer said, if I'll be honest about myself and then repent of that thing and ask God to help me, I will not be punished. You know what that means? That means if we do that tonight and we examine ourselves and before this communion is done, I drop dead in the hammer. Lord, please don't let that happen. I drop dead in the hammer, right? It was right after that examination and I've repented of something that I'm still trying to fix, which obviously I ain't got fixed tonight, but I died right after I did that examination and asked God to forgive me. Guess what? I'm in I'm in because I'm doing it the way he said. He said, if I would do this, I would be unpunished. Right. Whoo, thank God for the blood. Yeah. You see how this ties in? He, he, Jesus said, hey, that last supper, he said, this wine from now on, this is going to stand for my blood. Now, one of them disciples had enough guts to say, what are you talking about, man? They ain't got nothing to do with your blood. They had no clue what he was saying. And yet, still yet, nobody asked a question. Like, man, we've been taking this all our lives doing the Passover. It ain't got nothing to do with your blood, Jesus. Woo! They didn't ask a thing. And Jesus told them specifically, this is my blood shed for the remission. The remission of sins. This stands for his blood that was shed for the remission. And then on the day of Pentecost, when he asked Peter, what do we got to do? Peter said, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. And he said, what for? For the remission of sins. So guess what? We're all Bible scholars. You know why? Because we know when the blood's applied. If Jesus said, my blood is shed for the remission, and Peter said, when you go down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ, you get remission, that means somehow in that water, that blood gets in there. Ain't that an amazing thing? No wonder Jesus wants us to remember it. <laughs> mm. So if we'll be honest about ourselves, we'll not be punished. But when we are judged... When we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. With the world. So what it's saying is, when we are uh, honest about ourselves and we are chastened of the Lord. Now that word chastened means to get ready for this. This is cool. It means to educate, instruct, and teach. Boy, that's just a completely different way I've ever heard. Chasing. You know what I've always been taught that was? Oh, 
Whom the Lord loved, he chased him. Woo! Woo! My dad told me he hurt me worse than did him. He's a smart aleck. He's right. He did hurt me worse than him. I'm pretty sure he enjoyed giving me a whooping sometimes. I had it coming. But see, listen to this though. When we are judged, when we're honest about ourselves, we are educated, instructed, and taught of the Lord. Why? So we will not be condemned with the world. So in other words, even though that word says to educate, instruct, and teach, that's not pleasant. Because you can teach something, you can learn something that ain't no fun to learn, man. Like the too cheap thing and not asking for your money back. That ain't no fun to learn. Wish I never read it, right? But... This kind of chastening, the reason it saves us is because it doesn't let us continue to go on in a way that God don't like without us knowing it. So that chastening is like, hey, and you know God's a gentleman for a minute. Hey, 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 hi, I'm coming over there. (laughs) What's that old saying? Don't make me come back there. Don't make me come over there. Jesus will come back there. He will come over there. And the reason He will is because He loves us. But what this is teaching us is that if we'll do it ourselves, don't have to be all that. But when it does happen, when He does chasten us and get on us about something, that's a time, even though it doesn't feel good, to say, thank you, Lord. Because if I'd have kept living that way, I wasn't going to make it. And I'm glad you love me enough to fix me. Right? Hmm. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to do this the Bible way. We're going to take a minute. And this doesn't have to be some long, drawn up. <laughs> See, now here's something really cool about having a regular prayer life. Nobody's prayer life is ever what they want it to be, more than one day or two, <laughs> or one good prayer time. Oh, I got it now, tomorrow. <laughs> right? But the thing about going at it every day, some days, it's, it is a few minutes in the morning. Lord, help me in this day in Jesus' name. Get in the car, we're late! Huh? Then there's other days where you get that time in and something happens and you don't know how it happened, but you wish you could figure that formula out because you do it that way all the time, right? That's because we're fleshly creatures and we do this right here. But the thing is, when we do this right here, keep going in the same direction. Yes. Right? Because what you're going to build is momentum after a while. And what you're developing is a relationship. There's times when me and Kitty sit down and we'll talk a whole lot. But you know what? Me and Kitty have been together for a long time. We're, our November will be our 30th anniversary. We've already decided we are going to hold a banquet. I don't know if anyone has ever held their own banquet, but we are so amazed <laughs> to have been married for 30 years. We're going to. We're, we're going to congratulate each other. And we're going to invite you all. We're going to invite some very important people in our lives. And we are. We're going to have a banquet. But having been together, it'll be our 30th anniversary of marriage. We have been together for 32 years. So after having a relationship that long, there are times where Kitty can say three words and I got all the other 40 with it. There are times where I can turn around and say something and she'll just have that look and I'll be like, you have to say nothing. Because, you know, over the course of time, constant communication, you see? Now there's been some times down through the years where we've had heated fellowship. Huh? Right? There's been times out through the years where we've tried to talk to each other and I was speaking Portuguese and she was speaking Arabic, Arabic and, and it just kind of went, whoa! 
zero for a while until we and connect it again. It happens, right? That's the same way with our prayer life. We're building a relationship. We're developing a communication with God and sometimes he's in Arabic and we're in Portuguese. But we keep talking until we make that connection again, right? So this time we're going to take, all we're going to do, and I'm gonna, I'll lead it. You don't have to pray what I'm praying, but I'm going to lead it. And all we're going to do is we're just going to take a minute and this is where the benefit of having a regular prayer life comes in at. When you have a regular prayer life, even if you miss today or yesterday, that's all I'm giving you, don't wait long for three. <laughs> is that when we say a prayer and ask God, Lord, if there's anything in my heart, show me now because I'm going to fix that myself. But meanwhile, please forgive me for it. It don't take 20 minutes, right? Because we have that constant communication and that relationship. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lead a prayer. Real simple. Ask God, you know, Lord, examine us and tell us anything about it that you find that you don't like. And we're going to work on it the best we can and please forgive us. Lord, I thank you, Father, that your word is so awesome. And Lord, it, 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 I've never, in all these years, Father, in almost 30 years, I, I, I've never seen how special this must be to you. One thing out of all things, because you're the creator of all things and you're the head of the church. So you could have picked anything and several things to be what we would do to show that we remember your price, the price you paid for us, that we remember the greatest act of love there's ever been or ever will be. You could have picked anything. But Lord, you chose to, to have it be a breaking of bread and, and the drinking of the wine. So I thank you there's a way for us to remember you. So right now, God, we're going to do that thing you said to do. Examine ourselves. Lord, if there's anything today that we did, Father, uh, lost our temper in a way that, that it shouldn't have been lost and still ain't found it yet, Lord, uh, forgive us, Father. And Lord, we're going to work on it. Lord, if there's anything in us, God, first we ask you to examine us. Because there can be some times, God, where... We got things going on you don't like and we don't even know about it. So, Father, not from this point forward, God, because we ask you right now to examine us. Lord, look inside of us. Examine our heart, our mind, our soul, our spirit, our motives, our agendas, God, our way of thinking, Father, our opinions, our attitudes, our behaviors. Lord, we don't keep one part of our life back from you. And we ask you to examine every area of it, Father. And if there's anything you don't like, God, Lord, point it out to us right now, Father. Bring that behavior to mind. Bring that attitude to mind, God. Show it to us, Lord, and we will. We'll work on it, Father. We'll work on it till we get it right, God. And now, Lord, we're going to examine ourselves. Lord, each of us, we know the areas we've got that, that we're working on and need to be fixed. And we also know the areas that, honestly, Father, we're, we're probably not working on, well, quite as hard as we should. So tonight, Father, I, I confess that, Lord. I ask you, Father, to help me, God. 
Help me, Lord, when I feel that prompt in the Holy Ghost to respond to it, Lord. Help me, Father, to, to get back at it. Some of the things that I got better at so it wasn't a train wreck anymore, but I didn't finish it off and, and I didn't get it all the way handled, Lord. Father, I'm going to get back on it again. I'm going to get back to work on that thing, on that, on that personality trait, on that behavior, or on that, that lack of discipline in some area of my life, Father. I'm going to get back to work on it again. And I'm going to work on it till I get it right, God. And I ask You, Lord, to forgive us. Forgive us, Father. We plead the blood of Jesus tonight, the blood that we're going we're gonna to show in the taking of the wine. We plead that blood now. And ask You to forgive us of our sins tonight, Father. And we thank You, Lord, for the privilege to get to take the Lord's Supper, Father, and to show You we remember God. We thank You for forgiveness and mercy tonight. And everybody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. What we're going to do... If there's been anyone else on the entire planet that's ever had the exact communion we have, <clears throat> I want to meet them. Because that's my tribe. <laughs> yeah, I told her, I said, I said, what a cool way to break a fast. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't thought of it before. What a, what a cool way to break a fast. People are going to want bigger pieces of the communion bread. I'll take the one. Agent, I did say don't go hungry. Yeah, yeah, would you please? Okay, while we're lighthearted, we must keep in mind what a serious observance this is. Remember the word reverent. Now, I, I'm a joke. Nobody's done nothing wrong. Let me preface that. Let me preface that, okay? There's been nothing done that's untoward or incorrect. But we must, during the course of it, remember that the warning that was in there is to remain reverent during the observance. And I personally... First of all, I, I know that everybody in here takes your walk with God serious and honors God every way you can. As far as me, I don't want any more afflictions. Especially one God given. That would be I would I don't even like to think about that concept, a God given affliction. You know, I would pass this down and have everybody pull off their own piece, but I'm not sure it would make it all the way around. Well, uh, uh, 
We're gonna snuff out the germaphobe real quick. That's right. These are probably the biggest <laughs> the biggest breads for communion. You could probably uh, give 300 Catholics communion one of these pieces of bread. <laughs> See, I told you, I gotta watch myself. I can't be chastised in my own. Blessing the Lord. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> now, uh, as tempting as it might be, when we when we uh, take a bite of the bread, yeah, uh, don't eat the whole thing. I, I want to take this second. It, it, what a simple thing! And you know, this bread. There's so much scripture about bread, ain't there? Mm. Jesus, yeah, yeah. Jesus even called himself bread. He's the bread of life. And then out of all the things that he... You know, it's a, it, it, it is such an honor to be on this side of the cross. Because on that side of the cross, all this bread stood for was the unleavened bread the children of Israel took with them when they left Egypt. So all it represented was the slaves leaving bondage. And that's a big deal. But it ain't nearly as big a deal as God putting skin on and looking at Jimmy Wells and saying, I'm going to let them break me in pieces for you. There ain't a bigger deal than that in the whole world. So when we take a bite of this bread, I just want you to think of what he did for you and what acknowledging that has done in your life. That little fellow right there is a miracle. Amen. He was a, I had a friend that used to say an unexpected surprise. I didn't know there was any other kind. But young Esteban is a gift to this family and, and to the church, isn't he? Yes. And, you know, it's a benefit of having that bread of life in our own lives. So we're going to take a bite from the bread. While we do, just know that not only can you do this, but Jesus is glad you are. Because when we do this, we're saying, I remember. I remember. So go ahead, take a bite of the bread. One of the Gospels says that when the soldiers showed up in Gethsemane, that they asked which one was him, and Jesus said, I am he. It was a play on words, because when Jesus said, I am he, when he said that, the Bible says all those soldiers fell over backwards. Yep. A God with that much power in their spoken word could have stopped the whole thing right there. But he looked up ahead and he saw Lori and Travis's kitchen and a group of people gathered together to say, I remember what you did. And instead of stopping it, he let those soldiers put him in cuffs, beat on him, cuff him with their hand. You know what that means? It means taking a palm of your hand, put a bag over his head, beat him from outside the bag, 
That was to protect their hands. I know about blanket parties. That's the first blanket party. And they did it, and then they mocked him, and they said, prophesy. Who just hit you? Those soldiers had no idea that not only did he know who they were, but he's the one that put them in their mama's womb. And he let all that happen for us. And tonight we remember. If that's all that would have happened, he still could have stopped it there. But they took and they put him on that stone and they tied him to it and the torturers came. Not the executioners. They weren't coming to kill him. The men that came to do the next part came who were expert at torturing him so bad that he was that close to death but never dying. And that's exactly what Jesus wanted to do for us because that's where most of the blood was shed. And then he let those same men take him. And think of this. He let his body be broken so bad and so much of this blood shed before he even went to the cross that God in the flesh could not carry his own cross. And he gets there and he lets him nail him on that cross. And that little picture you see on the crucifix, it shows the Tarzan loincloth. That's, that's not how it was. They humiliated him in front of his own creation. He hanged there naked. And he did it for us. So that blood that he shed, everybody here except for young Esteban, and his day will come, and I'm going to get to stand there and take pictures while his mom and dad baptize him. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's going to go. <laughs> this cup we're getting ready to drink I don't even know what this stuff muscadine grape juice okay mighty muscadine king of the super fruit well guess what king of the super fruit <laughs> tonight the blood of the king is what that king of the super fruit is going to represent all of us been baptized in his name, had his blood covered our soul. And we're the only ones besides him that know what stayed in that water when we came out, ain't we? Amen. So let's take that cup and let's thank God for the remission of sins today. Glory, Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you for the blood. Lord, millions, billions of people lived before that blood was shed. It could never have remission. And Father, you, you brought us into this world in the age of man where the blood has already been shed. And then you let each of us see it. Lord, you let us see it. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for the day we saw it, God. And thank you for the day we did something about it, Father. Thank you for the day that we were planted in your likeness, God, that we went down in that water and somebody spoke the name of Jesus over us, God. Thank you for it, Lord. And Father, I thank you. Your word says that we are buried with you in baptism, Father. Not like you, God. That means when we got in that water, you got in it too, Lord. And I thank you for it, Father. 
Oh, God, and it's the blood that washes sins away. So, Lord, it was just ordinary water until we went in it. It was just ordinary water until somebody said your name, Jesus. And somehow, Father, the blood was in that water, God. And when we came out, Lord, we were sin-free, Father. Ha! No more payday, God, for anything from that point backwards. And we thank you for it tonight, God. Oh, Father, we came out of that water and we had the name of Jesus. We didn't just know it, God. We didn't just pray it, Lord. But when we came out of that water, we had the name of Jesus. And I thank you for it, Father. I thank you for the authority we have now, God. When we pray in Jesus' name, Lord, when we plead the blood of Jesus over our children, over our spouses, over our grandchildren, over anything and anybody, Lord, I thank you that we've got the right to do that, Lord, because you shed your blood for us, God. Thank you for it, God. Oh, and I thank you, Father, every morning we get up, we can speak the name of Jesus and plead that blood brand new and it covers us again. I thank you, Father, that blood covers our home, that blood covers our families, that blood covers everything and everybody in our lives, God, and we thank you for it, Lord. Oh, God, when everybody else's God wants them to die, for them, Lord, our God, died for us. We thank you for it, Father. Oh, thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it. We remember tonight, God. We remember what it was like, Lord. What it was like not to have that blood, we remember. We remember what it was like not to not to know about that broken body, not to serve the one that let his body be broken. We thank you tonight, Father, that you changed all of that. You changed us, God. Praise your name, Lord. We remember. Help us to remember every day. <laughs> Lord, it gets so easy to say your name. Lord, don't let us say it too many times without remembering the price that was paid so we could say it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory, Jesus. God takes the Lord's Supper so seriously that people have been healed. Healed. In communion. People have gotten the Holy Ghost at communion services. Get to thanking them so much when they're done and just forgot about everybody else and went somewhere with God. I want to thank all of you for for your, your attention to the scripture and for your seriousness in taking the Lord's Supper. This is something that, that we're not going to do so much that it becomes a, a religious ritual, but we're also not going to do it so rarely 
that we don't have that remembrance of what God does, does for us. So, Lord, I thank you for your people tonight. And I thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for giving us something we could do to, to show you, hey, we remember. Lord, sometimes I'm not even good at remembering all the blessings. Sometimes I'm not good at remembering all the miracles. Sometimes I'm not good at remembering all the things you do daily. So Lord, help me to get better at that, but also to get better at taking the time when we gather together to remember the price paid. We thank you for that price. I thank you, Father, for the Russell family. Thank you for the blessing they are to all of us, for them opening our home up to us. Thank you, God, that they're in our family. Thank you, Lord, for the Rodriguez family, the blessing they are to us, God. Thank you that they're in our family. Thank you for the Wells family and the blessing they are to us. Thank you that they're in our family, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that this family's going to grow. Help us to love those coming in the door just like you loved us when we came in the door. I ask you now, Father, to keep your hand upon your people until we come again, together again this Sunday. I ask you to bless them real good, keep them safe and sound, protect them, Lord, go with them. And let that love and that laugh and that smile they have so freely, let it affect somebody around them, Father. Ask you, Lord, to bless your people till we come together again. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, God bless you. Feel free to eat the rest.